This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So first of all, thank you very much because I think the most important point of this whole Shabbos, of the whole, of the whole Aguda Convention, is uh, the meaning of one. And everyone's thinking about Moshe Rabbeinu and Avram Avinu and Sari Imenu and I think what the rabbi pointed out was very, very important that we, we're talking about in our day and age. Um, I happen to be very, very close to Rabbi Freilich, who's here, and um, sent over 30 years my eighth grade boys from Crown Heights Yeshiva Milbasin, who were totally not religious, to, um, to his yeshiva. And um, many of them actually became Rabbeim themselves. So it's a very big covet to be in the same room with Rabbi Freilich. And uh, the Kolyakovs, um, Ruvain and and, um, and and Shimon, both of them, I'm very close to. I was started with them pretty much in the beginning of Torah Anytime. And I had the privilege of, um, of Shimon's, I think his oldest son or one of his sons, to be named after me. He's actually named as Zachariah. And um, I'm happy they're Sfardim because Ashkenazim would not have worked out that well. <laughs> but to actually be by the Brits and have your name given is... Uh, with a very, very big and it's, it's amazing, the Torah, that right now in this room, you think there's only about 100 people. But right now on Torah Anytime, there's 1,000. So there are 1,000 people in this room listening to the Shiurim. That's the, that's the Koyach of, um, of TorahAnytime.com, and thank you very much, Torah Anytime. So, I want to start off with the mission in Perkeavos. Mishnah was written by Rabbi Akiva, who knew the power of one. Hu hayaimer. Rabbi Akiva said, Chaviv Adam, a person is loved by Hashem, Shenivra B'Tselem, because we were created in His image. Chiba Yisera, I talk about this a lot, Extra love Hashem showed us. That He told us that we created in His image. So, when I ask parents, do you tell your child that you love them? They're like, no, she knows. He knows that she knows. She knows, I know. But the Mishnah here says very clearly that to show extra love to someone, you have to express it. Husband and wife, Children, teacher, child, you know, to say, I, they know, they know I love them, is not enough. To really love someone, you need to tell them. It's sort of, you put millions of dollars in a poor man's bank, and you don't tell him it's there. So he's going around, and he's begging, and he's eating scraps. He doesn't know that, he's, that he has the money. So Kishbochu told us that we're all created, everyone in this room, everybody in this room, every human being, not only every Jew, Every human being is created in the image of God. What does that mean? What does that mean that we are created in the image of Hashem? So some people answer Hashem is about chesed and a human being is about chesed, but that's not really a tzel. Tzel, betzelem, tzel means a shadow. A shadow always takes the shape of the thing that it's shadowing. You can't get a square shadow from a round ball. You can't get a round shadow from a square box. 
A shadow means that it takes the shape of the thing that it's shadowing. How are we a shadow of God? How is a human being a shadow, the shape, the form of Hashem? And the answer is very, very beautiful. And the answer is really what this whole Shabbos is all about, this whole weekend is all about. The answer is that what is one of the unbelievable attributes of Hashem? We say it every day. Shema Yisrael. Listen, Kla Yisrael. Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem is our God. Hashem Echod. There's a oneness of God that doesn't exist in the world. Hashem is one. There's not two creators. There's not a, a husband and a wife. Hashem is one, and that's it. Every human being, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Avraham, Moshe, Chaim, Sarah, Miriam, Leah, Echad. Every human being, there's only one of you. My mother says, Baruch Hashem, to that. <laughs> there's only one of you. There will never be another one of you. There never was another one of you. And there's only one of you. And if you're going to talk about Gilgul, the Gilgulim, people don't really understand. But Sefer Gilgulim explains that, that many girls come out and they're, and they're like, like, which Gilgul do you come back? How am I going to come back? Who you married to, if you married three times, four times over 500 years, who you're coming back with? I said, the best looking, richest guy, <laughs> the one that's, you know, was the best, the one that was the nicest, that bought you the biggest ring. Like, I don't know. But no, it's not true because a Gilgul just means that you have a part of a Neshama. Moshe Rabbeinu was a Gilgul of Hevel. Moshe Rabbeinu was also a Gilgul of Noach. But Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't Hevel and Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't Noach. He had attributes, he had spiritual DNA part of those people, but it's not the same person. So your makeup of who you are and the different parts of your Ruach, your Neshama, whatever the, whatever the Kabbalistic meaning of it is, will never happen again. And never was. We are individuals. Everyone's fingerprint is different, even twins. You think they have nothing to do in Shemaya? Everyone put up your fingers, we're going to do swirls? Why is every human being's fingerprint different? Because they're B'Tselem Elohim. The shadow of God is that God is one and you are one and the only one. And you've got one chance. And that one chance is your life. And that puts a very big responsibility on every single person in the world. Because you can't say, well, if I don't do it, that's one of the biggest mistakes that people make. If I don't do it, someone else will do it. Maybe someone else will not do it. Maybe someone else cannot do it as well as you. And why would you give that present that you have, which is life, which is potential, give that to someone else to do for you? And every person that wakes up every single day, Hashem says that without you in my world today, my world can't exist, or you wouldn't wake up that day. So every single day that a person wakes up, they have a purpose. And many girls and many boys and many of the people that I work with feel like they have no purpose. And I'm like, if you had no purpose, you would not have woken up this morning. You would not be here anymore. Hashem doesn't make duplicates. And He also doesn't make things just to hang around and do nothing. So every single one of us, and this is where Rabbi Akiva, who, who didn't know Hashem until he was 40 years old, 
and watched water make a hole in a rock, Rabbi Akiva realized that there is something special about every single person, and we know that his wife was the one that brought him close to Hashem, and he wrote in the Mishnah that every single person is, is created with Selim Malikim. So, I think that when, when I was told about the Shabbos, I thought that the most important point, and the rabbi really made that point, and we're going to have to keep making that point, is I, I meet a lot of people, people say, Rabbi Wallerstein, my name is Chaim Friedman. I have to ask you a question. I get this question all the time. What do I do to become a Rabbi Wallerstein? I, I also want to have a ranch, and I want to have a school for kids off the derech, and I want to speak. So, so tell me, give me the ingredients. How do I become a Rabbi Wallerstein? I say, you will never, ever become a Rabbi Wallerstein. Because there's only one Rabbi Wallerstein. No matter what is going to be good or bad, there's only one of me. You need to become you. We're not supposed to become Moshe Rabbeinu. We're not supposed to become the Chafetz Chaim. Hashem had a Chafetz Chaim. Hashem had a Moshe Rabbeinu. But right now, Hashem is having you. And you need to become you and your best. And the biggest problem with people not helping, because they're like, I don't do Kiruv. I don't do Kiruv. I don't do Kiruv either. It's not a profession. <laughs> not a business. It's not ten ways to... I'm very anti. I don't want to get into it. But they have certain organizations that, that they're, they're, they're into making you a, prof- a Kiruv professional. If you're a Kiruv professional, you're not in Kiruv. Because once it's a profession, it's, it's, it's nothing. It's, what is it? It's a profession. It's not Dvorim HaYaitim and Alev. Kiruv is not a profession. So there's nobody in this room who can say, I don't do Kiruv. Because the rabbi is just setting an example. Just, and we're gonna, I'm going to tell you a crazy story tonight. Just saying hello, just giving someone a smile, can do the most unbelievable Kiruv in the world. What does it take to save the world? There's one person in the Torah, one person who saved the whole world. Adam didn't. Noah definitely didn't. Avraham Sedon was destroyed. Mitzrayim was destroyed in the times of Moshe Rabbeinu. So there was no one in the Torah that ever had a chance to save the world except for one man. Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef, by Rajvi, it says it was never a rainbow. Yosef Atadik saved the world. What did he do? How did he save the world? Was it because he was a big tzaddik? Was it because he went to the sea in Hashas? Was it because he went to Minyan three times a day? What did Yosef Atadik do that ended up supporting and feeding the whole world? world. Let's take a look at Tutsukim in the Chumash. Again, the point I want to make is that there's no one in this room who cannot save the world and change the world because it's not a big deal. It's not very hard to do. What did Yosef HaTzadik do? He's in a dungeon. He's in a very bad place. His brothers, even if they come looking for him, will not find him. They have no idea where he is. He's got his own problems. He's in prison and there's these two Egyptian ministers. One is a butcher 
What is uh, what? I'm sorry. What is uh, the the baker and what is the uh, wine? The guy who serves the wine. Mayarisham, number one. Everyone in this room, if you want to make any changes in this world and you want to help somebody, you got to stop looking at yourself. The first thing you have to do is by Yisaz Einov, says by Avraham Avinu. You have to lift your eyes. What does that mean by Yisaz Einov? What does that mean you lift your eyes? You have to stop looking at yourself if you want to see everybody else. The person that gets in the way most of the time from helping anyone is you. So the first person you got to remove is yourself. Vayar Oisam, so he saw them. Vihinei Zayafim. They were very anxious. They had, they were very, they had a lot of anxiety. So we asked them, Madua Penechem Roim Hayom. Why do your faces look so bad today? That's all he asked. Ladies and gentlemen, is there anyone in this room? I can't see everyone on that side, but is there anyone, anyone in this room that can't ask that question? Is there anyone in this room that can't ask the question, why do you look depressed? He didn't ask him any Rishonim. He didn't ask him any Echroinim. He didn't talk about Hashem. He didn't give him a schmooze. He asked him a simple little question. Guys, what's wrong? Why do you look depressed? And from that little question that everyone in this room could ask, I had a dream. I don't understand the dream. Let me hear the dream. I'll translate the dream. And the wine handler gets out, and Paro has a dream, and he can't sleep, and he translates, and Yasunatada comes out, and he translates it. And, and what happens from that? I want to quote it. I, I didn't even mark it off, but I want to quote it. Where Wallstein, you know, you're not, you, you, it's very nice. You ask someone, you ask somebody, uh, you know, why do you look depressed? And yeah, it's a pretty cool, cool story that from that question, but like, where's the frumkite here? Like, he wasn't the car of anybody. Like the guys who came for shul, you know, and didn't go to the beach. Yeah, it's a big thing. I, I understand where the rabbi's coming from big time. So, no, no, seriously, I understand that in California, and you're coming to shul, to Simchas Torah, it's very deep, it's very deep what he said. It's very deep what he said. So, so you, you could say, I don't, I, okay, Ray Wallace, it's very nice, it's a great story. But like, where's the frumkite? Listen to asking a non-Jew why you look depressed, what frumkite, what kiddush Hashem can come from just asking a question. You're not, you're not a rabbi, you're not in Kirov. You, you're just asking a question to two goyim in your office. Guys, come on, you really look like you're having a bad day. What's going on? Listen to what happens. By Yama Paro Yosef. Paro, the biggest lowlife, says to Yosef, After God, he admitted to God, God told you the translations of my dream. I never met someone as smart as you. My nation will 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 kiss your hands. But listen, listen to the Kiddush Hashem here. The Kiddush Hashem from asking why you look depressed. 
I don't know if ever in the history of Klai Yisrael, there was ever a bigger Kiddush Hashem from a question. No Musr, no stories, no talking about Hashem, no Hashkafa, no Kirov, no Shabbaton. Mitzrayim, Paro. Vayomer Paro el Avadov. And Paro said to his nation, to his servants, Hanimtza kezeh ish esheruach elokimbo. Have you ever met a human being that has the spirit of God like this Jewish boy? Do you understand the Kiddush Hashem of Paro stating this to the Egyptian nation? Have you ever met a person who has the spirit of God? Where did this come from? From asking two Egyptians? You look depressed? Al-Achas Kama Surely if you ask another Jewish person, a kid that's off the derech, or a kid that's on the derech, or another person in shul who looks troubled. What's going on in your life? Just by asking, many times they don't even want to get into the discussion with you, but they want to know that somebody asked. It's fascinating that Rabbi Akiva wrote this mission. I'd like to read you a story about Rabbi Akiva that people do not know from the Kavayasha. And then we'll end with a story called My Friend Kyle, which is a Neuridika story also. It's not in the Kavayasha, though. <laughs> There's no Kyle's in the Kavayasha. So the story goes like this. Kavayasha, Perek, Pei. We come to Akiva, Adam Russia. So Rabbi Akiva had a dream, and in the dream he saw a soul, and he saw that the angels, Mashchisim, the, the angels that have whips of fire in Shemayim, if you didn't do the right thing when you were here, we're judging this soul, Nebuch, this Jewish soul, they were really beating him up with a lot of Yisurim. In the dream, Rabbi Akiva asked this soul, Do you have any children? So he said, yes, I have a son in this and this place. And he taught the son Kaddish. This is the short part, the short of the story. Now I want to tell you the long of the story. Listen to this. He says the following. I want to read it from inside. Rabbi Akiva met this soul. And he said, do you have any children? And he answered him, I don't know, the soul said to him, I don't know if I have a boy, a son, to say Kaddish. When I died, my wife was pregnant. And I don't know if she gave birth to a boy. But even if she gave birth to a boy, said this Russia, this soul that was a Russia, and I don't want to talk about souls, but it talks about the terrible avarice that he did, adultery, all kinds of stuff. He says, even if I, have a, if I had a child and he was a boy, who's going to teach him to, to, to say Kaddish? Everybody hates me. I was like the Russia of my town. I did things with women. Everybody hated me. So no one's, no one's going to teach him. Well, Isa Shaw, at that moment, you're talking about Rabbi Akiva now. When he was Rabbi Akiva, he had all his Talmidim. At that moment, Kibo Rabbi Akiva, Lechapesh Achrov, 
He said, I'm going to find out if this guy had a child, if he had a baby and if he had a boy. Rishol al-Benoi. And he asked, he went to the town where this guy was from, and he said, does this man, does he have a son? Yes, he does. But who are El? He's a, he's a, he's a, a guy, like a guy. He didn't have a bris mila. He's an Aral. He's a low life. The son's like the father. He's a low life. Miyad not Rebbe Kiva. Immediately Rebbe Kiva took this boy. Umalai. And he gave him a bris mila. And I spoke about this in, um, in Baltimore to a bunch of Rabbeim because this is a very important, very important lesson for teachers. And he gave him a bris mila. And he started to teach him. Rabbi Akiva, the God of the Rabbi Akiva of the Dor, is teaching this little kid Oro, right, who now had a bris. He's teaching, he took him to be his, to teach him Torah so that the boy can one day say Kaddish and get his father out of hell, out of Gehenna. But what happens? Because of where he came from, no matter how much he taught him, he couldn't learn. And the, he tried to teach this kid, and the kid had a plugged head. Maybe he was learning disabled. Maybe he was ADD. It doesn't say here exactly his diagnosis, right? But he couldn't learn. Yashavol of Rabbi Akiva Batinus Rabbi Akiva fasted for him for 40 days, for this kid. I asked the rabbi in, in, in Baltimore. I spoke to like 120 teachers. I said, did any of you ever fast 40 days for a kid who can't learn? Did any of you ever fast one day? for a kid that can't learn. Did anyone ever fast a half a day for a kid that can't learn? Oh, wow. Rabbi Akiva fasted 40 days. Wait, we're not done. Listen to this. Yatsabaskal. A voice comes out of Shemayim. Hashem. Ba'aman says, Alzea Tomazana? For this kid? Russia ben Russia? You're fasting? That's what you're fasting for, Rabbi Akiva, for 40 days? This kid? So he answered Hashem, Amari Bainishlaylam. I took responsibility on this kid. And I'm an Arev, a signer on this kid's life. Miyad immediately, Hashem opened this child's heart, the and he began to learn. So all the people who think in this room that because you have ADHD or ADD or you have learning disabilities or you don't have such a good uh, IQ, so to say, and we diagnosed you with all the letters, the medicine for all the a, all the four-letter words, AD and AB and AC, is L-O-V-E. L-O-V-E answers everything. As you see, Rabbi Akiva loves his child and he fasted for 40 days. And all of a sudden, it wasn't medicine and it wasn't therapy. It was fasting for a child, and Hashem said, you know what, you take responsibility, I'm a partner, I'll open his brain. And he sat and he learned. And he became the chazan in front of Baruch Hu. And he said, Baruch Hu. And he said, Kaddish. And they released his father from Gehenim. Miyad Baal Rebakiva Bechalayim. Immediately the father came to Rebakiva in a dream. He said to him, Tanuach Datacha, relax. Beganeden, I am in Ganeden. She said, Tani Medina Shogahedim, you saved me. Is Mashma from this story 
that the father had to come from heaven to tell Rabbi Akiva, I'm okay. I'm in Gan Eden. Relax. Means that until that point, Rabbi Akiva didn't relax. Who was he doing this for? A sick, a good person who got sick? He was doing this for a Russia that was by all women that were that were married. A low life. He fasted 40 days for a kid that was an RL. This story we don't hear about Rabbi Akiva. But he brings it down. And you may be asking me a big question after the shift today. How could Hashem say to Rabbi Akiva, for this kid you're fasting? Doesn't Hashem believe in every single kid? Is that something that God should say? Like, this kid not, he's not in the Aleph class, he's in the base minus class? And the terror brought down is, no, this was for us. That Hashem asked, for this you're going to fast? And Rabbi Akiva said, yes, he wants us all to know that. Because we might have thought, oh, this neshama was very holy. He thought he, he thought he's going to be a galadar, so he fasted. No, Hashem said, no, this kid has no chance. For him, you fast, and Rabbi Kiwi said, yes, that's who I fasted. And Hashem said, okay, even for this kid, I'll open up his head. It was just pure love. It was just pure caring about someone else. Could you fast? Am I telling you you have to fast? I'm not telling you you have to fast. But I told this to a group of therapists. I said, you know, I know that therapists are not, I don't, I don't know how many therapists are in the room. I know tomorrow I'm talking with a therapist. But, but therapists are not allowed to get involved with their client. You're not allowed to get personal. You're not allowed, there are boundaries. That's the law. You can't even tell them what to do. If a kid asks, what should I do? You have to tell them, what do you think you should do? You have to teach them how to fish, not to buy them the fish. You have to teach them how to make good decisions. but it's not therapy. So I asked the therapist, I said, so, so you can't react to children, you can't talk to your client personally, you're not allowed to, you're going to lose your license. He said, but did you ask them for their Hebrew name and their mother's Hebrew name? So that since that you're a therapist, you're seeing kids with people with problems, addictions, whatever the problems are, or marriages that aren't working, do you take the name of the husband and the wife if you're a marriage therapist? And before you go to sleep at night, daven for them? Do the rabbeim in their class go home when a kid is not doing well and get his mother's name and his name and daven for them? Rabbi Akiva fasted 40 days. You can't ask anybody to fast 40 days. When you see somebody in shul who has a kid off the derech and you're like, you're coming home like, wow, this guy... Nebuch, how do you say it in how do you say it in uh, in in uh, Syrian? Chazit. Chazit. <laughs> Look at this kid is off the derech. Look at her. She has three piercings in her nose, and she's not dressed sneezing. Oh yeah, yeah, that poor family. Did you find out her name? Did you find out her mother's name? Were you walking around? Chazit. Oh Nebuch. Did you ask? Did you take that name? Is it in your sitter with your kids? Who you need Shiduchim for? Look what Rabbi Akiva did. He was so busy, he was running a yeshiva. At one point with 24,000 Talmidim. And he's worried about some guy who's sitting in Gehenna because he was a mazuya for the low life? And the answer is yes. And when a kid couldn't learn Tyra, he fasted for 40 days. 
Which brings me to my last story, Lahavdal Elif Abdalois, because it's not about a Jewish story. But this story, when I read it, rocked me. And I'm going to close with this. It's a story about a person's impact on others. It's actually from a Jewish book. It's a book that they give out in Florida, and I just happened to have been reading through it. He says the following story, and I'll read it to you very fast. One day when I was a freshman, the, the guy was writing it. In high school, I saw a kid from my class walking home from school. His name was Kyle. It looked like he was carrying all of his books. I thought to myself, why would anyone bring home all his books on a Friday? He really must be a nerd. I had quite a weekend planned, parties and a football game with friends, so I shrugged my shoulders and went on. As I was walking, I saw a bunch of kids running towards him. They ran to him, knocking all his books out of his arms, tripping him so he landed in the dirt. His glasses went flying, and I saw them land in the grass about 10 feet away from him. So this kid was a Nebuchadnezzar nerd. He looked up, and I saw this terrible sadness in his eyes. My heart went out to him, so I jogged over to him, and as he crawled around looking for his glasses, I saw a tear in his eye. As I handed him his glasses, I said, those other guys that did this to you, they're jerks. They really should, they really should get real lives. He looked at me and said, hey, thanks. It was a big smile on his face. It was one of those smiles that showed real gratitude. I helped him pick up his books and asked him where he lived. As it turned out, he lived right near me. So I asked, why, I never, why didn't I ever see you before? He said he had gone to private school before now. I would have never hung out, I would have never hung out with a private school before. So this guy is like the football player. He's the big shot. And this guy is the Nebuch, the nerd. We talked all the way home and I helped carry his books. He turned out to be a pretty cool kid. I asked him if he wanted to play football on Saturday with me and my friends. He said yes. We hung out all weekend. And the more I got to know Kyle, the more I liked him. And my friends did as well. Monday morning came and there was Kyle with a huge stack of books again. I stopped him and said, you're really going to build some serious muscles with this pile of books every day. He just laughed and handed me half the books. Friday he was taking the books home. Monday, he's taking the books back to school. Over the next four years, Kyle and I became best friends. When we were seniors, we began to think about college. Kyle decided to go to Georgetown, and I went to Duke. I knew that we would always be friends, and, and the miles between us would never be a problem. He was going to be a doctor, and I was going for business on a football scholarship. Here's the end of the story. Kyle was valedictorian of our class. He was a smart nerd. I teased him all the time about being a nerd. He had to prepare a speech for graduation. I was so glad it wasn't me having to get up there and speak, like me. Graduation day, I saw Kyle. He looked great. He was one of those guys that really found themselves during high school. He filled out and actually looked good in glasses. He looked great. He had more dates than me, and all the girls loved him. Sometimes I was jealous. Today was one of those days. I could see that he was nervous about his speech. So I smacked him on the back and said, Hey, big guy, you'll be great. He looked at me one of those looks and said, Thanks. So now Kyle gets up to speak at his graduation, he's valedictorian. As he started his speech, he cleared his throat and began. Graduation is a time to thank those who helped you make it through your tough years. Your parents, your teachers, your siblings, maybe a coach, but mostly your friends. I am here to tell you that being a friend to someone is the best gift you can give him. I'm going to tell you a story. This is Kyle speaking. I just looked at my friend with disbelief, that's the other guy, as he told the story of the first day we met. He had planned to kill himself over the weekend. He talked of how he had cleaned out his locker on Friday so his mom wouldn't have to do it later after he committed suicide and he was carrying his books home. 
he looked hard at me in the middle of this valedictorian speech and gave me a little smile. Thankfully, I was saved. My, fri my friend saved me from doing the unspeakable. I heard the gas go through the crowd as this handsome, popular boy told all of us about his weakest moment. I saw his mom and dad looking at me and smiling that same grateful smile. Not until that moment did I realize its depth. Its depth, its deepness. He was going home to kill himself and he didn't want his mother to go get his books. And this guy, after this kid was bullied, bent down, gave him his glasses and said, nice to meet you. It's not a story of Yosef. And it's not a story of saving the world. It's a story of saving someone else. There's no such thing as a professional in this, everybody. You don't have to be a speaker. You don't have to be a cure of maker. You could be a man. You could be a lady. You could be 14. You could be 40. You could be 80. As long as you're on this world, a good word and a smile is everything. So I want to give everyone a bracha. You should never be a professional person in Chesed. <laughs> it should never be a business. It shouldn't even be done with a cheshbon. It should be dvaram ha-yetzim and alev. This story of Rabbi Akiva, most people don't know. You ask about who Rabbi Akiva was. Rabbi Akiva had the biggest Talmidim. Rabbi Akiva gave his, nef gave his soul, died the Kiddush Hashem. But Rabbi Akiva was also the greatest Baal Chesed in the world. He didn't do it for a good... He was telling the story. I was listening to the rabbi's story and I was thinking to myself, I don't know, Rabbi. People are going to walk away and say, but they were Mechal Shabbos and how could you, you know, say Yishkoyach for driving to Shul. Maybe you shouldn't have said it. Maybe you should have said it. But you see from Rabbi Akiva that when it comes to a non-from person, this wasn't not a non-from person. If you read the story, this was a guy that did every Avera. He's sitting in Gehenna. He's getting what he's supposed to get. And Rabbi Akiva is fasting 40 days so his kid should say Kaddish so he should get out of Gehenna. It's the Rabbi's story is a good story. Because <laughs> this guy was not, he drove to Shul, but he wasn't doing those Averas. Don't judge another Jew. Don't judge another Jew. You be there for them. You bring them to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And, and you don't have to give them a speech about God. There's no one in the world that's an Ishalokim like Yosef came out of the mouth of Paro. Because he asked somebody, how you doing? Thank you. Good night. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.